Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, Magic and Alchemy is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kate Ballou, and my co-host, Kristen Lissenby. Good morning, Kristen. Well, my morning. What's going on? Good afternoon from the future. <laughs> How are you today? Things are going well. It's it's really rainy here, so it feels like spooky season has like truly, truly set in. Same here. It's like foggy and drizzly and I think just what everyone wants right now for October. Um, but I'm just going to jump right into it. Uh, yeah. Kate, you just got back from Greece. I um, did. You visited Artemis's temple. Uh, you sent me a picture of Athena's olive tree. And truthfully, we haven't had a chance to talk since you've been back. So I need to know everything. Yeah. So, so big news, which is uh, I got engaged in Brooklyn and Yay. then took off to Greece. Um, it was, it was really amazing. I know that when this episode goes live, it will have been a, a handful of weeks, but, um, mm-hmm. that, yeah, we did. We visited Athena's olive tree at the Acropolis. Um, there's a beautiful write up about that on Atlas Obscura if anyone's interested in reading more. And, you know, I really do want to go to Artemis's temple, but I think it's in Turkey, but we did go to a Neolithic cave that became a worship place of Artemis. And this was mm-hmm. on Antiparos. Um, so magical. You just had to like descend down all of these steps um, through kind of like the rock formations. And Cody and I found the altar stone on the map and we went and like placed our hands on it. And the rocks were just ancient and absolutely alive. Well, it sounds amazing. Um, but first off, you know, on behalf of the Witch Web, congrats on Thank your engagement. You. <laughs> uh, we will anxiously await your witchy wedding. So mm. be sure to keep us in the loop. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Artemis and Athena, caves and olive trees. What was it like to visit those sacred spaces? First off, I'm, I was laughing because I have to go revisit like our witchy wedding episode mm-hmm. <laughs> to like you remind should. myself like what did we do but um yeah the, visiting those sp- spaces was just like palpable you know like the absolute just texture and kind of the like just the truth bumps of the whole experience um yeah I can't I can't wait to to go back and to keep traveling now do you have a favorite place or experience or memory from your trip Yeah, you know, in Santorini, Cody and I found this used bookstore called Atlantis Books. Like, I wish I could have teleported you there because Mm -hmm. you would have just loved it. But, you know, if you Google it, it's it's such a cool, um, cool shop. But um, it's a combination of new books and used books and rare books. And uh, Craig, the man working there, had this collection of Andrew Lang's fairy books which are just a favorite from growing up. And he sold me the Olive Fairy book, which I'm just going to treasure forever. Um, And that was like a really 
wonderful moment outside of those sacred spaces, a sacred space of itself. Um, and then also just swimming in the sea there. Like we took a boat out in the caldera there in Santorini and swam in next to this volcano and yeah, just beyond. <laughs> Oh, it sounds so magical, all of it. And especially that magical find, the fairy book. Was yeah. there a moment where you just considered buying all of them and just like taking them in your luggage? Because that's what I would have thought of. Yeah, I wish you could have seen my suitcase. It was just a carry on for like 10 days. <laughs> and so I was like, I'll just clutch this book to my chest. <laughs> Take but, it on the plane with you. Yeah, he did have like the first edition ones, which are just like so out of my budget. Mm -hmm. um, but he had a little bit of newer ones that still had that really good kind of hard, harder, uh, like hard back feel to them with I think mm -hmm. the inside of it had a... Um, uh, like an inscription from a father to a daughter from 1922. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And he really gave me a nice deal on it. So thank you, Craig. But um, he was like, no one knows these books and you come in here, you're hired. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, I did consider, consider it. I dreamed of it for a moment. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I chose today's listener question with you specifically in mind. Mm -hmm. So this listener asked to remain anonymous, um, but they wrote in saying, I often feel ungrounded when traveling. I find myself so overwhelmed existing outside of my daily routine that I do not make time for meditation or really any element of my craft. Do you have any tips when it comes to practicing magic while traveling? Do you take a break? Do you carry a travel altar? Help. Mm. What do you think? It's a really great question. You know, I feel like as far as traveling and magic goes, I'm just such a big herb gal. Like I keep a little pouch of travel size tinctures in my bag, um, the small, small carry on bag of California poppy and oat and hawthorn, burdock, St. John's wort, and then sometimes skullcap or violet, like depending on what's going on with me. But these herbs really just help like relax me and brighten my mood and support me in being grounded. And I really, really love to, in that same vein, just love introducing myself to the plants of the place where I'm visiting. Like for Greece, it was just super amazing, joyous, um, beautiful to see all of the olive trees, which is, you know, something we don't get here in Brooklyn. And, you know, I also met a few datura plants in Santorini, which was like so nice to see a familiar face. Um, I think that that really helps me kind of tap into the landscape where I am and really, you know, kind of find and settle in into my own place there. But what do you think? Mm, I like all those ideas. I think carrying herbs is such a nice idea, um, you know, like really magical, but also very practical as well. Um, I would say that if you were wanting to truly carry like a piece of your craft with you beyond herbs, I might consider like just a talisman of sorts, maybe a small palm stone or a sigil um, that you've written on a piece of parchment that you can just like slide in your wallet. Um, mm. Something that you can meditate with. And I know this listener said they feel like they don't have any time to meditate while on vacation. And I can totally relate to that. Mm -hmm. um, but even if you can spend, you know, like the first few minutes of your day, right when you wake up, maybe while you're drinking your coffee or tea and just like connecting with that talisman um, and deciding your intention for the day. Um, that's a pretty simple but potent spell. Um, 
There's also so many cute travel tarot decks <laughs> out there if you, uh, you know, practice tarot and wanted to keep up your practice um, while you're out seeing the world. I love those ideas. I think that jewelry can work kind of nicely too mm-hmm. with that like intention, sort of like sigil magic. Like I feel that way about my rings. Um, yes. And you can kind of put crystals in that jewelry too with the same sort of um, intention, like love black tourmaline forever. Yeah. But yeah, shall we introduce our interview for today? Yeah. Listeners, today we're joined by Amanda Paulson. Amanda is a paranormal investigator and occultist based out of Spokane, Washington. With over 12 years of experience, she now travels the country as a solo investigator and shares her adventures on her social media platform, Pretty Effin' Spooky. As a self-proclaimed paranormal ponderer, Amanda most enjoys the deeper conversations around all things Pretty Effin' Spooky. In this interview, we discuss being at the crossroads, getting comfortable with the unknown, connection to death, the intersections of the paranormal and nature, and a love for all things spooky. We love how Amanda weaves this world and the other world together and candidly speaks about the paranormal and where she's headed. Amanda joined us from her home in Spokane, Washington, in the early morning hours because time differences and scheduling are a real spooky thing, too. Hello, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kristen Lizenby. And I'm Kate Ballou. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Welcome, Amanda Paulson. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, and we love to begin our conversations uh, by asking our guests about their big three in astrology. My big three, I'm an Aries sun, Aquarius moon, and Sagittarius rising. Amazing. So we interviewed you last Samhain season, and people can head over there to learn a little bit more about you and your work and also your exploration at the Melange, um, which if any listeners don't know, that's a historic inn owned by Tamed Wild creator Shelby Bundy. But would you mind sharing a little bit about you and your work for our listeners that may have missed that episode and also any updates since that discussion? Yeah, uh, so much has happened since that discussion, Um, but I am a paranormal investigator located out of Spokane, Washington. I'm a solo investigator. Uh, I travel across the United States to investigate haunted locations, and more recently, I've been um, a little bit more on the paranormal researcher side, doing a lot of um, research into all sorts of phenomena. Um, Yeah. And I have been up to a lot in the last year. It has been a transformative, um, dare I say, a tower uh, of a year. Mm. (laughs) But yeah, it's been good though. And I'm still paranormal investigating and doing paranormal research um, and traveling all over. Wait, I want to hear more about the tower, tower year. What's going on? So I'm kind of prefacing a lot of conversations in the last half of this year with, um, that I'm going through a lot of changes. I'm very, I'm calling myself a liminal being right now. I'm transitioning into whatever my next, um, step in life will be. 
Um, but uh, at the beginning of this year, um, I like to get deep really quick, but this is very pertinent to everything that I do in the paranormal. But in the beginning of this year, I went through uh, a traumatic event that um, kind of shifted my entire year. Um, and then mid uh, 2022, I traveled to Europe, which was very fun, not a tower moment, but kind of um, shifted my energy uh, once again. And um, kind of sent me on this journey to explore uh, what outside of paranormal investigating fulfills me. Uh, and it's kind of led me down a more spiritual, um, more uh, witchy path since then. Since I've last talked to you guys, I think I've gotten a lot uh, weirder, just <laughs> a lot wittier, a lot weirder. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just, it's just been a year. A lot of stuff uh, has happened. <laughs> <laughs> just a lot of like icky like life stuff you know but mm. uh it's just one of those years a transitionary year for sure I know I speak for both Kristen and I when I say that we're always here for more more weird all the time mm-hmm. always um you know I saw on Instagram and I wanted to ask you about this that you had used a spirit box which we spoke a little bit about like when you used it at the melange last episode um, but to quote, uh, ghost hunt your own trauma after this traumatizing experience that you underwent. And I was wondering, could you share a little bit about this investigation and, and what you learned? Because I thought that was such an interesting and, and beautiful method. Yeah. So I've been experimenting more with using ghost hunting equipment to explore, um, I guess it depends on how you want to look at it. I've been kind of uh, approaching it like I'm speaking to my own consciousness, or you could you could look at it like exploring your shadow self through ghost hunting methods. Um, but I did recently do an experiment, and it's ongoing as well, um, where I listened to the spirit box and asked questions uh, regarding um, my own trauma, kind of speaking to uh, the trauma that I have from this traumatic event, which was, um, uh, just, I, I got caught in a drive-by shooting is what happened, but, um, mm. I, and I'm fine, but, um, I wanted to speak to my trauma. I wanted to possibly speak to, um, like a part of myself that had sloughed off during this event. Um, and kind of under the, um, idea that, that part of me was possibly at the site of the traumatic event. So I was kind of speaking to myself as if I was, um, as if a part of me was a ghost in a sense. Um, and it came back with some really interesting results and it continues to, when I use, um, methods like this, uh, specifically (laughs) funny enough, it, it kind of, um, digs into, my own shadow self more. It really got into, um, the weeds about, uh, and what I didn't show on social media was it, it kind of gets into the weeds about my own fear of death and, uh, kind of some thoughts I have around the work that I do that has a huge death theme and how that pertains to dealing with a real life scenario where, um, I could have had a close brush with death, very heavy, (laughs) heavy topics Mm -hmm. for me to talk about at 6 a.m., but I'm really passionate about it. It's really sending me on a journey that is uh, showing me that I um, I have more work to do that's like under the surface. And, uh, and I think that you can get really weird in the fun way and like get uh, 
you can really explore uh, paranormal phenomena in a really cool way. If you start looking at it, um, like how, like looking at the differences in how people perceive paranormal phenomena or how people each experience it differently and how that goes into like our human uh, experience as well. So I, and I've since also done an experiment with a friend uh, where we both use the spirit box, um, you know, blindfolded and, and talking to each other with it. And we kind of talk to our own subconscious, almost like in hypnosis. Um, and that has also brought up again, lots of parts of my shadow, but as you can tell, I have been uh, dipping my toe into some really weird waters uh, this year, but it's been really cool. Mm. And maybe for our listeners who just, who don't know, could you explain a little bit about a spirit box really quick? Absolutely. Cool. Thanks. Um, I, a spirit box is uh, a form of communication used in ghost hunting circles, but all it really is is a radio that scans um, AM or FM radio frequencies at an accelerated rate. So uh, a spirit box is designed so that you can pick the speed that it scans the stations, um, and you can also scan forward or backwards, but that's just how it goes through like the, the station. So you're scanning through radio stations and it's playing back uh, a lot of static, but words will come through from the radio, from um, commercials or parts of songs or whatever. But uh, paranormal investigators use it um, under the assumption that uh, ghosts or spirits can uh, speak to us through the box. So you'll catch little words here and there and you kind of try to uh, ask questions through the spirit box and see uh, what responses come through that makes sense. Thanks. And I, I love that you use the word experiment, like this sort of like different, I don't know, out of the box ways to work with these things. And I haven't really seen a lot of that. Um, and, and that could just be my own ignorance um, of the paranormal sort of world. But I, I think it's such a just a, a poignant way to to work with that technology. Yeah, there there's not it's not hugely uh it's not a hugely popular um, theme in the paranormal uh, community right now, I'd say, um, which is okay. Uh, there's still a lot of people paranormal investigating uh, for the thrill of it um, for fun. And that's totally fine. I still do that sometimes too, but there's a smaller uh, community that's kind of um, helping grow this idea of like merging um, more uh, what do you call it? Like psychic, um, like psi phenomena and the paranormal and, and all, and really all kind of, um, worlds of the paranormal, um, and merging them together and trying to look at the bigger picture, but it's, it's a growing, uh, it's growing under the surface, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you know, kind of a different topic but the same topic perhaps like I just saw too that you were visiting a cursed garden and a crop circle museum and this got me thinking about kind of the intersections between the natural world and the spirit world as well and so I was wondering if you could share a little bit about your experiences there yeah um it, so I visited um the garden I visited here in my hometown of Spokane and um and it's interesting. I, I've been learning to pay more attention to um, kind of the energy that different areas. And I, I don't want to say land in particular because this garden is just in the city. Um, I don't know what kind of land it's on. But 
um, kind of paying attention to the energy from all sorts of locations and not just the abandoned building or the typical haunted location. And so I found this garden that, um, that has a really uh, complex, um, dark history uh, and felt very, um, very thick with like uh, a different kind of energy. So I, um, I, I posted about that online and also the Crop Circle Museum, which I don't want to skate over. Um, that's also super cool. And that was in uh, England where I got to visit the Crop Circle Museum, which the land out in England um, was so, so fascinating for me to experience for the first time. We got to go to Stonehenge as well uh, in another Stone Circle, Avebury, and um, all those places just... Um, it's so interesting because the verbiage in the paranormal community is different because like I'm, I am, I want to say it feels haunted, but haunted, I think is, um, like a loaded term for me. Like it's not just haunted with human spirits, but it uh, could be more primordial energy or, you know, land spirits or, um, or just residual buzzing energy from humans that go through these places. You know, it's just, um, I'm really enjoying visiting a lot of different places and experiencing a lot of different, um, almost tangible, like magical energy that isn't just tied to, um, a, you know, a human spirit. I, I've been to both of those stone circles and there's something that is very, um, presently magic about about them and uh, I was there when I was 12 and so you know my sister and I were just you know, telling my mom about all the fairies and things that we were seeing there like out in New Forest and all of that when we were driving around the countryside but um, yeah I just I love to think about those intersections. I have to ask about the Paris catacombs too, because I know you visited there and that is a place I've wanted to see for so long. So can you tell us a bit about that experience as well? Yeah. Um, so I went to the Paris catacombs. I was with a group, um, like a paranormal event company, uh, that, that ran this trip. And, um, so I was with like, uh, <laughs> I'll just tell you the whole story, but I was with like a group of 20 and we were going in in like groups of 20 down to the the catacombs and meanwhile there's this line that's wrapped around the building down the street it was craziness but um we get inside and my group is kind of like meandering about inside this building because the catacombs now um if anyone listening's been before they have a new entrance and it's like a new building and it's very fancy and so my my group is like milling about and i see the entrance to the catacombs and i I look at the entrance and I look at the guy running the tour and he just nods. And then I just go without my group. I just, just scurried down the stairs, which there's yes. like a hundred steps that go down the stairs. <laughs> and so I was like scurrying down and then I get to this long tunnel that I'm like booking it down because I'm trying to get myself ahead of my group, but I'm behind the group in front of me. So I'm trying to kind of get myself alone for a second. Cause I'm like, mm -hmm. there's no way I'm going to be able to pick up on, anything going down here, going on down here with like 40 people around me. But, um, I managed to do it. I was alone for about three minutes. I think <laughs> it was, it was that or out of earshot of people, not alone. There were people down there, but, um, the catacombs were so interesting that I had dreamt of going to the catacombs since I was very young, since I learned about what the catacombs were or what ossuaries were. I had always wanted to go to something like this in general. Um, 
but I am also a huge fan of the movie As Above, So Below, which is set in the catacombs. And I had this like really uh, imaginative idea of what the catacombs would be like. And it was um, very, it was intense. Um, but at the same time, there was something very like matter of fact about it. Like I, I was surprised to find myself not overwhelmed by not overwhelmed by the spirits of, you know, hundreds of thousands or like thousands of people, whatever, or like, I thought it would be overwhelming, but it, it surprisingly felt very peaceful. And I think maybe, um, not peaceful in like a, I'd love to sleep down there kind of way, but just like <laughs> it kind of like kind of void of, um, of like energy besides the living energy that's down there for people visiting. And I don't know if that's just like, my solitary experience that maybe I'm sure other people would say differently. Um, but it just felt like, um, it, it gave me a lot of like sobering or like a humbling thoughts on how we just kind of turn to dust and, and bones eventually. It was, it was very heavy to think about, but like almost peaceful. I was like, I don't think that these people are hanging around where they've been, um, pieced out and kind of laid out in this like fancy fashion. It was very bizarre. Um, but it also felt like it felt as old as it is, you know, it felt the tunnels, especially, I think the tunnels were more, um, stuck out more to me than the actual ossuary, uh, like part of it where the, where the uh, bones are. Mm. Um, but the, this tunnel system was just so, um, intense and, and very old and I could feel that it was very cool it was long the short answer to that is it was very cool I would love to go again <laughs> and spend and spend a lot more time down there I wish I could spend more time down there so I've never been is it basically just I'm just gonna like dumb this down but is it just basically just a network of tunnels where where folks were buried under under Paris is that right or so it was they were old mining tunnels under Paris uh, okay. first and uh, long, like, Oh, I can't remember the dates, but long before the bones were brought down there. Uh, and um, the bones being brought down there, I believe happened in this, the 18th century. So, um, okay. so the 17, I, the 1700, late 1700, I hope I'm not butchering this. I did look <laughs> it up when I was out there, but um but then they actually, so they started moving the bones down there from, uh, from overcrowding up above. Um, but these mining tunnels had already been there for a long time, which I found to be a really interesting part of the, the history. And so the bones then are put in, uh, in only one section of it. And this is what's open to us. There were, there were tunnels that were closed that you could see the bones just like went way down. They kept going and going. So wow. that was weird too, because only a certain portion of it is open. But, um, and then I think it was in the, again, I don't know, sometime around the 17, 1800s, um, then the the bones were then placed in like a more, um, more of designs to make it um, look all pretty basically. Um, and, and to make it like, a, I think the guy wanted it to be more, uh, respectful by, by placing these in like parts and like <laughs> like little areas that you could like go visit because people have been visiting the catacombs for a 
like a long time, which mm-hmm. I found fascinating. I, I thought I thought visiting them was like relatively new, but um, I guess it's been they've been visiting them for since the eighteen hundreds. Wow. Yeah. I, I just told like I just told Parisian history in terrible. Um, I, I I can't remember all the details, uh, but it, it was beautiful, and the new location for it was incredible. It was very well taken care of, and I really liked the the operation of it. it was I thought really respectful too. It's fascinating that it would be a a mining tunnel, and would kind of speak a little bit to that fact that you felt more in the tunnels maybe more of that sort of active energy just because people were actively working with the tunnels in that way yeah that's a good point i yeah i think i was i i don't think that the catacombs are traditionally haunted for the reasons we'd all think they'd be haunted but mm-hmm. but may, that maybe it's uh has a, a different kind of energy possibly from being mining tunnels Amanda, about a documentary that you were a part of called Death is With Me. And I keep seeing all these like previews and trailers. And so I just want to know if you could talk a little bit about this project and when and where we can watch it. Yeah. So um, I started filming a documentary in uh, the fall of 2020. So it's been uh, a long project. Uh, we filmed out on the Olympic Peninsula uh, near Lake Crescent, um, which for any Twilight fans out there is pretty close to Forks, Washington. But, mm. but um, <laughs> I did just um, rewatch all of them. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, Lake Crescent's actually, there's a, a very short clip in the first Twilight that Lake Crescent is in. But um, I'm a huge Twilight fan, which is, I have to mention that. <laughs> but um, so we filmed this over the course of two years, um, a documentary about a true crime story from 1930s um, and then the, the subsequent paranormal thread um, of a haunting near Lake Crescent. Um, and I am involved in it as a paranormal researcher and investigator. Uh, and it kind of follows my journey uh, learning about this case. and. Um, further investigating it and um i'm super excited for it to come out it is currently um being finished up in editing i don't know editing terms (laughs) post i don't know um it's uh it's in the last stage uh, of being completed uh and then we're looking at a winter release date of this year so and that's been our plan um all along so we're releasing it uh probably through like a film festival circuit first um and then we hope to be streaming uh by early next year can't wait yeah i'm excited but i don't know i i can't tell you guys where to watch it yet we don't we don't know yet i hope i didn't say too much i have no idea how to talk about movies and or documentaries (laughs) and releases and anything like that but but it's very cool i have seen a very rough cut of it earlier this year and it is awesome and it's uh gets into a lot of kind of what I'm talking about on like Kate explained the intersection of um, all of these kind of paranormal topics. So everyone should enjoy it. I think. I know that you've been on a journey this past year, you said from, you know, being a paranormal research 
researcher to getting more witchy and spiritual. So do you have any like advice or suggestions for people who are looking um, to do the same thing, you know, deepen their connection to the supernatural or to spirits? Yeah, um, I so I have a few uh, pieces of advice, uh, and this is for people who are interested in in getting into the more spiritual um, side of things. But I, I, it also help. It can help with all sorts of transitions. But this is assuming that we're all um, pretty woo woo, pretty spiritual as it is. But um, I did develop a really uh, um, devout like meditation process or. Uh, yeah, meditation, um, practice, excuse me. Uh, and so I started meditating, um, doing guided meditations and things like that, like basically trying to, um, dig into my, um, my own, you know, my own mind and my own shadow self using meditation. I also have gotten into a lot of dream work. Um, and then further from that, I've also been digging into my ancestry and uh, doing a lot of ancestor research, which you wouldn't think is related to this kind of transition, but it's helped ground me and uh, helped me find and understand my roots and uh, kind of, I don't know, it's helped me kind of look at the bigger picture of things as I'm going through like a kind of tumultuous uh, transition. Um, Ancestor work and ancestor research has, helped ground me and all of that. So hopefully that all made sense. That's, that's very like my personal, uh, personal things that I have helped me. Um, but you know, also there's a general, just, uh, um, like mind, mind frame, frame of mind, uh, that like, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, how do I explain this? It's so interesting. And I've done podcasts, uh, and I've done all sorts of stuff this year. Like I have in, in the previous years. Um, but, uh, it's interesting to literally like articulate my own transition as I'm going through it, you know, cause I don't actually know mm-hmm. where I'm headed. I don't actually know what it's going to look like yet. Um, so I'm just articulating kind of the the confusion that I feel sometimes and the, uh, doubt and like a a lot of like really vulnerable, um, personal topics I've had to articulate. And, and furthermore, I've had to post about online in a sense. And, uh, so I guess adopting a sort of vulnerability and transparency, uh, and also searching for community, I think has helped a lot, like really, um, leaning on the community that I have and, uh, being open with people about, transition. If anyone else is going through something like this, there are people out there to, that you can chat with and, and share your journey with, you know, being with the unknown is, is such a difficult practice. I'm like, I don't have anything more to say other than just that, because (laughs) I just, I see that and I feel that deeply and I'm just, yeah, it's so difficult. It's it's interesting too, because it's like almost, and I, I feel like I remember somebody telling me this, like, in like 2019, when I started posting about my paranormal investigations online, uh, that like the, the further you, you dig into these kind of things that like the one, the more, the less, you know, and then two, Mm -hmm. like the, the deeper and more like, I don't know, the weirder it gets, I guess, like it, it just get, it, I almost feel like, 
And back in the day, I got into this uh, headspace where I thought I, w- I had just grown enough. Like I was like, I have been through what I've been through and I have reached the upper echelon of my life. And like, here I am just on top uh, <laughs> of everything and I figured it all out. And it, it's just like, that's so far from the truth. And now I realize that I think I'm going to be a student of life forever. Like I'm going to continue learning lessons and transitioning and growing and changing. Whereas in the past, maybe I thought change was bad, uh, but the digging into the paranormal as deeply as myself has, or, or anyone who's um, also done any kind of craft like witchcraft or uh, is spiritual. Uh, I think the, the longer and the deeper you dig, then the, the, I don't know, I'm trying to think of it like a metaphor, but like the deeper the transition gets, I, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, it just feels like I did it to myself. Like I tapped into some kind of like, like I just went, too deep <laughs> in a good way though. Now I'm glad no, I did. Such but. Thing. Yeah. The oldest I ever was, was like 15, you know, I was like, and then every, ever since then, it's just continually knowing less and less and less as you know more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The second you tell the universe or you put it out there that, you know, everything, the universe is quick to be like, actually, you don't know anything and you're going to start all over again from square one, um, which is really humbling. But yeah, you just kind of have to accept it and go with it. And like Kate was saying, just go into the void, go into the unknown. And and like you said, too, we're not alone, right? Like there's so this is like the the time. This is the time honored question of, of you know, of death and, and the universality of it and also just the deep unknowing of it. And so we're all in that together, which is which is a, such a blessing, you know. Samhain is right around the corner and I actually already know what you're doing, but for our listeners, would you mind sharing your Samhain plans? Yes. So I um, have been invited out to Tamed Wilds retreat for Samhain um, and I am going to be there doing uh, an ancestor workshop and also uh, leading a seance. So I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm very excited. I'm very excited. And as everyone listening now knows that I was there out there last year in North Carolina, I'm at the Melange Inn and, um, and just North Carolina in general, I love, and, uh, the inn I love, and I love everyone from Tamed Wild. So I'm super excited, uh, to do that and to, um, dig into, uh, some seance work, which will be really cool. Uh, I've been, um, I've, it, it, to circle back to some work I've been doing um, in town here, I have been uh, leading a dark history tour at a local museum here recently. I've learned a lot about um, 1800s American spiritualism, but uh, I'm excited to kind of bring in that knowledge into the modern day and lead a seance with everyone. And then uh, the ancestor work I'm really passionate about and excited for. Um, and then uh, and then on actual Samhain, I will be back home uh, and... Uh, uh, able to celebrate Samhain myself with, I think, a dumb supper is what I will do. I think mm-hmm. I, I like to have supper with my, uh, uh, the, with family or um, ancestors that have passed. So. Dark history tour. Also, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I, I like forgot that I did that for a second. That's how life goes. You, know, you just do stuff and then you forget <laughs> about it. But, um, 
but yeah, that in Spokane, I've been, uh, I pitched a, a dark history tour for a local house museum and, uh, finally convinced them to do it. So we've been doing it all summer. And, uh, at the dark history tour, I talk about, uh, Victorian spiritualism and, and I deconstruct the seance. So uh, I have a lot in uh, my arsenal to talk about with seances, but I'm excited to lead a modern one, especially with the people, uh, that are involved with Tamed Wild. I think there's going to be a lot of really uh, potent, cool energy. Yeah. I went to a seance when I was about nine and that's the last time. So I'm really excited for, for this to be there. Yeah. Um, and for our listeners, maybe who, who can't, who can't meet us there in the mountains, um, next week, can you share a little bit about, yeah, Kristen, I wish we could teleport you in, (laughs) (laughs) um, but could you share a little bit about ancestor work? Like maybe any like recommendations that folks can practice themselves over Samhain? Yeah. Oh, uh, and um, I'll touch lightly on this just because I know that it's uh, different for everyone, depending on your own spiritual practice and depending mm-hmm. on your ancestors, um, which I think is part of ancestor work. And the most important part is finding out where your ancestors came from, who your ancestors are. Um, even if they're just, I, I have ancestors actually from, North Carolina and from uh, Eastern Kentucky, Appalachia. So I draw a lot of inspiration from there, but then I have older ancestors who come from, um, surprisingly who come from where, um, uh, Kristen lives, <laughs> which is weird, oh, but, uh, oh, cool. <laughs> but yeah, the Azores, but anyway, um, but for how people can bring ancestor work into their practice, especially around Samhain, um, I love, diving into divination, um, around this time, uh, communicating, um, I, and <laughs> I'm just getting, I'm still getting used to, uh, speaking with authority, uh, not authority, but, you know, speaking like, this is what you do. I, I'm not good at that. Do whatever you want to do, but this is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but, uh, a divination is great uh, to practice, uh, with speaking with your ancestors and seeing what kind of messages they have for you. I, um, I am an Aries sun and Sagittarius rising. So I love fire. I love dedicating a candle to my ancestors, uh, leaving them offerings. Um, and then on Samhain, I love, uh, having, basically a silent, uh, dinner in honor of, um, past loved ones where I I have a picture of them with me or, um, you know, I just sit and have a really intentional, uh, dinner and, and time, um, thinking about the ones that I've lost, uh, in my life and, and, um, my ancestors. So that's what I do around this time. But I also work with my ancestors, um, pretty much every day, uh, and keep a little altar for them. Uh, which I, I think I'll get into this. I also, <laughs> shameless plug, I have a subscription service on Instagram now um, that I'm going to be getting more into uh, very specific um, practices regarding ancestor work on there as well. So if anyone wants to check that out, um, I can get into de- in depth over there about it. Awesome. That sounds cool. And and for our listeners, where where is that? Where can they follow you? Where can they find your work? Um, on Instagram, I'm at pretty FN spooky, and you can also find me, um, anywhere online, uh, at Amanda D Paulson. Um, but pretty FN spooky, you can find me anywhere, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, pretty FN spooky.com. I'm everywhere. You can't escape me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
so much, Amanda and listeners, for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kristen Lizenby and Kate Ballou. You can find us online at Easton Alchemy and at K8Ballou. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog tamedwild.com, previously known as magicandalchemy.com. Tune in to next week's episode where we will be speaking with a very special guest. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mote it be or something better. Until next time.